Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So good morning, everyone. I'm Haram Hong. Uh, we've been here for a few years now, and um, we're going to continue on our John series. Uh, a few weeks ago, Luke Chandler, he, uh, he, sh- he spoke, uh, he's also a thriver, he, he shared, and one of the things that stuck out to me was this tagline that he used, I do not know all that I might know of God. I do not know all that I might know of God. And so I'm going to just share a little bit about my testimony. I might have shared a, a little bit previously, but um, I grew up in the church. So my grandpa was a reverend. My mom was like on the church choir. My uncle is also ordained. And um, pretty much from junior high to high school, I went to church every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday was youth group. Just have, I don't know why they chose Friday night, but that's never went to a high school football game. I, I, always, I was literally at church all the time. Saturday, we had a discipleship group, so the, the, the church leaders wanted to teach you know, the youth for the next generation. And then Sunday, I was eventually on the worship team, so Saturday, we actually also had practice, so it was like discipleship and then practice. So I was at church for like 10 hours on Saturdays, and then Sundays, we were there um, to, to do worship. And um, eventually, my senior year, I started to join a season of rebellion. I was like, I'm not a goody two-shoes. I'm, I'm cool. I, I started smoking cigarettes. I started partying. And then I went off to college. And, um, and it, was like a, it was a tough time. Uh, now, looking back, I thought I was free. I thought I was wild. I completely didn't go to church. I think I went to church five times total, like in four and a half years of college, uh, four and a half years because I didn't know my major and I had to stay an extra, <laughs> not because I flunked, well, yeah, some of it I did, but, um, but it was a tough season for me, and there was this one moment in particular, I was going through a breakup, I, uh, I had to move out of my apartment, so our lease was actually over, the, the landlords let me stay extra like a few days, so it was a season where I was there. All my roommates had moved out. I had moved all my stuff out, but I didn't want to go home because I thought that was a sign of failure. And so I, I was in this empty apartment, literally these minivan seats from uh, my cousin who lent me a minivan is in the room. And I'm sitting there. It's a Friday night. I'm calling all my buddies to be like, hey, let's, let's meet up, blah, 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 all this stuff. Nobody, nobody answered. I, I used to party with my neighbor, and I saw his car was there, so I knew he was home, and he didn't even answer his door. So I felt super lonely. And I'm in this place, and I literally had no one to go to. And there was this book that my uncle had given me probably a year or two prior, uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. I'm really good at starting books. I'm not great at finishing books. That's something I'm working on. Um, So I was probably like 10 pages in this book. And I just... I literally had nothing else to do. I had no money, and so I was just like, I'm just going to sit here, and I guess I'll just read. Because the whole time that I rebelled, God always just had his grip on me. He never, he never let go. I felt like, man, maybe I should. I was like, oh, one day. I'm just building my testimony. <laughs> and so, 
<laughs> and so I'm, I'm there that Friday night. It's like 6 p.m. Nobody, nobody calls me. I'm reading this book. And I, I actually ended up finishing that book. I, I just read straight through all the way to the end. And at the end of the book, this question, I, I was like, man, who is this God? Because I grew up in the church. I, I thought I knew who God was. Man, I, I've seen all the do's and don'ts and all this stuff. And, but then when I read, you know, if you guys have read it, like, man, there's, there's miracles. There's provision. There's this God who loves and cares and, and grew the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I realized that there's more to God than I know. There's more to him than we know. And I think that's true for all of us today. But have you guys had a time where you found out about something, that, about somebody that you never knew? You visit their house, you realize, oh man, they have skills and hobbies. Maybe they're a woodworker and you had no idea. Maybe they're a CEO or a founder of a company or a police officer. A similar thing happened with Pastor Kevin and I. Uh, you know, I, when we start coming here, you know, we meet people and all this stuff. Pastor Kevin was very nice. We went out to coffee, all that. And then eventually I find out he's, he played tennis. And I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, recreational tennis, all that everyone's doing. And people are picking up pickleball. It's like a, it's a thing now. It's, the, it's the, the fastest growing sport in America. And uh, so we, we go out to play one day. And I soon learned how good he was at both tennis and pickleball. Um, it made me realize that I couldn't just return it and lob it to him because he would crush it and score a point. And, um, and it changed the way I played the game. Sometimes learning about someone, something, discovering something deeper, it changes our behavior. And not just for pickleball, but I mean, it's, it, you know, it happened, but in our lives. And I think this is true when we learn the more there is about God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from John chapter 16. It's like the second half of verse 4 through verse 7. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I want to kind of focus on, on verse 7. Um, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For, for, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Before I get into kind of why Jesus said this phrase, and it ties a lot to chapter 14 as well because Jesus is talking to the disciples, but um, the word helper in, in Greek, the, the word helper is paraclete, parakletos. Sorry, I, it's like the dictionary breaking up, and I, I have trouble reading it for some reason. Parakletos, used in that day to describe a lawyer who pled someone's case, sometimes like a personal counselor or like a life coach. The word is a compound word of two Greek words, 
para, meaning very close, Paul used that to describe his relationship with Timothy, a super close relationship. And kaleo is to beckon or to call. So Paul used it when he described himself called an apostle to the Gentiles. So when we put those words together, the Holy Spirit is permanently called closely alongside each of us to provide coaching, direction, instruction, and counsel in our life journey. He is truly our helper. So now that we've defined that, let's, let's kind of... The big picture of what's going on is that this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. They had just washed his feet. Jesus said a lot of things in this time. And this is 24 hours probably before he's about to get betrayed and turned in. And so essentially it was some of our, his parting words. Now let's put ourselves in the disciples' position. You've been with him for three years. You've seen everything he said has come to, come to be true. You've, seen, you've literally been on a boat with him, Jesus. And he says, be still. And you've seen that storm just calm down. You've seen miracles. People raised from the dead. Literally when Jesus isn't even there, he's like, go and he'll be okay. Walked on water, healed the blind. This is the Messiah. This is your Messiah. This is in that time, right? People thought that the Roman Empire would crumble with the Messiah, but this is the Messiah. And you've seen all these things. And literally he's saying to you, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He's saying it's better for him to leave. I don't know about you, but so the other version, like other versions of the Bible says, for your good, to your advantage, for your benefit, that it's profitable, right? And in in chapter 14, he says that we will do greater works. And so if I was a disciple, I don't know if I'd believe him. Man, you're our leader. What do you mean you're just going to leave? Like as if Kevin and Molly would just leave. No, I'm just kidding. But but that's a wild thought. And and obviously, you know, we know the timeline, but the, the disciples didn't. But that is wild to me to think that our leader would leave. So why was it best for him to go? This impacts not just the disciples, but the generations of believers that are to come, including you and I sitting in this room. So let's look at the flip side. So why was it best for him to go? Let's look at the flip side. Let's say Jesus stayed, okay? That the Holy Spirit never came alongside us, wasn't our helper, that it was just Jesus. There's this example from this book, The Holy Spirit by John Bevere, and he gives this illustration. If we wanted something from Jesus... We would have to travel many miles. It's, uh, there's a slide for it, but maybe not. But it's, it's essentially all the way to Tel Aviv, which is probably going to be the busiest airport in the world. You would rent a car to drive to Galilee, right? You'd have to go there. Find accommodations, and it'd be probably impossible because the hotels would be packed. It'd be packed all the time. Most then eventually when you find out, oh, hey, Jesus is over here, there'd probably be this long, complex system of lines that man has ever created to see Jesus. And 
you'd probably have some limited time, let's say 60 seconds max, and he would need to sleep and eat, and so he'd be able to maybe put in a 14-hour day. That gives him eight hours of sleep and a, a little bit of change. And the rate of seeing people would be 840 per day. He'd be able to only see 840 people per day. It would take Jesus about 1,190 days, uh, three and a quarter years, roughly, to see a million people. And it would be a constant stream of people. Not to mention, there'd probably be like a fast pass lane, you know, (laughs) where, where people with the most urgent needs and requests can kind of go ahead and so I think it'd be clear to say, like, it'd be nearly impossible. The other, you know, thought I had was, like, maybe it'd be, like, a mega stadium. So you could, like, maybe see him, you know, like, at a concert or something. Probably be, I don't even know if a stadium could fill um, the space. You might be in, the, like, the parking lot tailgating because Jesus is in there. But, <laughs> but, um, but with that illustration, it kind of starts to make sense on why Jesus says it's best that he goes away, that he'll send the helper that he needed to leave so that the helper, the Holy Spirit, could come alongside us. Jesus left so that the curtain could be torn, so that it would not just be the presence of the, the Spirit wouldn't just be in the tabernacle and the, behind the curtains, but that the separation would be gone, that he would be here. The other aspect is the Holy Spirit doesn't get tired. He doesn't need to stop and eat and sleep. He is everywhere, all the time, for everyone, holding multiple conversations with all of us. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's why Jesus, I mean, not, I think that's, that's why Jesus said it's better that he leaves. He's, he's limited in his role, you know, in his, as son. So let's look at what, what Jesus' relationship was with the Holy Spirit. It's actually really powerful because Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Spirit, right? So like literally his birth, he was taught by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit. He didn't do a miracle until he was baptized. He was led by the Spirit. And as you go through all the texts, led by the Spirit. And in John fourteen ten, he says, do you not believe that I am the Father, or that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. The Father who dwells in me, the Holy Spirit. It's literally, he's not, like, so Jesus, Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit is that he literally didn't say anything except what the Spirit told him. That is crazy. And if you think about it, if Jesus needed that kind of ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit to complete his mission, how much more do we need the Spirit to complete ours? So this is kind of, in my notes I wrote, bold statement, because I think, I think that the Holy Spirit is often ignored or not talked about in church today. There's more to God than I know. I, in high school, I, I actually never even heard. So I grew up in a Korean church. I, f- I forgot to mention that. But they, they really don't talk about the Holy Spirit. I mean, ever. I, I didn't know. I just really thought it was like a list of legal rules, kind of. But the phrase, there's more to, know, there's more to God than I know. 
when Adrian and I, uh, one, one day we were doing our young adults group, and one of the one of the young adults asked a question, "Hey, like, why do we need relationship with the Holy Spirit?" And uh, I think often God speaks to us in like in analogies. He like gives a because I I don't I'm not that smart, so I can't really come up with them. But like, but then Adrian, it's the same thing. And uh, this analogy came up where imagine if there was a autobiography written about me. Everyone could pick up a copy and read it. There is none. Sorry. But, um, but imagine if there was. You could read it. You'd probably find out about my college, my high school, all the things that I kind of told you about. But at the end of reading that book, would you say you knew me? Probably a decent amount. And I want to compare that to imagine how much Adrian knows me. She has daily relationship with me. I see her every day. I see her when we go to bed, when we cook, we have quirks that, you know, she, some she likes, some she doesn't. Um, and I, I think about that intimate relationship. And so when you compare that, we could read all we want about God, but if we're not having an intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, can you really have a relationship with God? The answer is No. <laughs> ultimately we need to spend time with the Holy Spirit I think that we a couple like steps but it you need to recognize and ask the Holy Spirit into your life pray and listen I think a lot of times we pray and then just kind of like a Hail Mary and then hope something happens but to stop and listen listen for his voice just as Jesus listened Read the word. And then I think a powerful, it's to follow. It's to listen and then obey what he says. I, I have a honest confession that I, I need to, you know, I feel like I need to come forward with. And honestly, I've been struggling a lot. I feel like I've been going through the motions of church, of work, home, Schedule with our young kids. Oh, we gotta do dinner. You gotta do that. You gotta do this. Laundry. Not making any time. You know, we just, you know, our marriage is impacted by that. Our, my children, my mother in law, we just got a new home recently. So we have these renovations. So it's literally task after task after task. And I just, <laughs> even, even preparing this message, it was just like another task I needed to get done. And that's tough. It's mundane. There's more to God than I know. It just keeps ringing in my head. And as I prepared for this, it made me realize, man, I've been running on empty. I need him to refill me. I need the Holy Spirit. I really do. I need intimacy with him to walk in my full identity as a son, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. And so I have a question for you and, and you know, Sarah, if you want to come, you can play on the keys a little bit, but like it's been tough for me. How has it been for you guys? You know? Do you acknowledge the Holy Spirit? Do you 
Create space in your day for the Holy Spirit to move. Do you listen and obey? Do you do you see evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? It says that we would see the fruits of the Spirit, an increased measure of fruit. We'd see manifestations of gifts, miracles. As I was writing this, I was thinking, man, like, what if I had a deep connection with the Holy Spirit? But not just me. What if all of us had a deep, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit? To put him on the throne of where he truly belongs, not our selfishness, not our job, not our salary or ambitions, but truly to surrender. What does it look like when the Spirit is present in our lives? Jesus said that we would do greater works. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me would also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Literally, and he talks about in 17. We would see the fruits of the Spirit. I think about a tree, a fruit tree. Literally, as it grows, what does it do? It bears fruit that you can visibly see that is tangible. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are these present? I ask my, I like look in the mirror and I ask myself that there would be even an increase in the measures. Second Peter one, verse eight. It says, "For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." said earlier just the manifestations of gifts like like literally Jesus walked this earth words of wisdom knowledge healing prophecy tongues like these are we would walk similar to him would we not Christians little Christ I imagine a life for all of us and I What if we fully knew God, walked in the Spirit? To walk as Jesus did, how different this world would be. How would that impact the church, the church as a whole, our neighborhoods? There might even be a line to see you. We are all breathing and alive today, like this this today. We are alive because I think God has a specific purpose for us, each and every one of us. Walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's a necessity to experience a life that transcends the mundane. A life infused with his purpose, power, and supernatural influence to walk in step with the almighty God to be led by his wisdom and to participate in his plans for our lives and for this world. Man, what a world that would be. So let's get intimate with the Holy Spirit. Be 
because there's more to God than we know. There's more to God than we know. And I think probably we will have eternity to figure out and learn more and more. But I know God has more for me, more for you. And I'm excited. It gets me pumped to just think about the Almighty God being our Father, walking with the Helper day to day. And it really has challenged me. I've started reading again last night, and as I was finalizing a lot of things, and I'm just excited to get to know the more that there is to God. And so I want to pray. I'm going to pray for us, and I hope that there's something that was helpful. But God, we, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our teacher, you are our helper, you are our counselor, you are our comforter. In the tough times, in the good times, you are always here. We want to know more and more of you. If, yeah, if there's anything, Holy Spirit, that you've, that someone's heard that has been helpful, God, would you just use that and ignite a fresh wind, a fresh fire for us so that we can go and fulfill the purposes that you have for us, but to mainly build your kingdom. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you, we need you, we need you. And I thank you. Jesus.